0: Hi, you're listening to Technically 200, a podcast featuring the stories of Black and Latina women breaking barriers in STEM fields, all while paving the way for the next generation. In honor of Women's History Month, we're kicking off season five with amazing stories about what it means to be a woman in STEM and sharing the women that inspire us to keep going every day. Tune in weekly to hear from our amazing guests to learn more about STEM fields, how they've navigated these fields as women of color, and about their many contributions to the overall world of STEM. This episode, we'll be talking with Marissa Garza, software engineer at Q2. Marissa, thanks for being on our podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Um, We're so excited to have you here and so excited to learn more about what you do and and what things in STEM you're interested in and just learning more about your experience in the industry. Um, But before we get into all of that, what do you like to do outside of work?
1: Oh, well... um... I have two daughters, so um, a lot of my time outside of work is spent with them. My eldest is six years old, and she loves to uh, do craft stuff, so um, we've done some cool things, like making uh, <clears throat> fairy houses out of sticks and um, you know sewing Barbie clothes together, so um, a lot of my free time is spent doing little crafts like that. Um, I also like going hiking as often as I can with my dog. I have a standard poodle. Um, his name is Stimpy. He likes to go on walks and uh, smell all the things. So um, it, it's good for me. So that's another thing I, I
0: really enjoy doing in my free time. Awesome. That's such a cute name for your dog, too. I love that name. Can you tell us a little bit more about what a software engineer does at Q2? There are several things a software engineer could do um,
1: there at the, at the company. There are several different aspects to it. Uh, myself, I work mainly on the reporting side of things. Um, so uh, just to give you a bit of a background of what Q2 does, Q2 is a company that um, provides online banking services, and um, they, uh, they provide these for banks and credit unions. So uh, what, what I do currently is writing software that helps our customers, our, our, the banks and the, the credit unions, better understand their customers so that they can provide them with correct products or um, the right information when they're talking to them personally. Uh, so that that's mainly what I do there. Um, there are several other positions there. Um, uh, our company as a whole uses a lot of um, uh, Python language, which is uh, something that I mainly use. But however, we do have other um, other languages there. We have C sharp, and um, uh, you know, if you're working on the front and you're dealing with JavaScript, and um, that's uh, that's a whole different uh, area. Uh, and we have a whole bunch of different software engineers that are specific to. Front end, um, some that are specific to the back end, some that are specific to uh, the data warehousing and the uh, data storage, data architecture. Uh, so that the as far as the uh, you know field goes for software developing, it's a wide range of things. We also have uh, some data scientists that work with us as well to help provide better insights to our
0: customers. After giving some background on the company and the various work streams at Q2. Marissa gave insight into how she got into software engineering and how a side project in her original field opened her world up to tech. Software engineering was not something
1: that I ever saw myself doing um, for a long time. It wasn't until after I had started a career that I figured out that this was something that I could do. Um, When I was younger, I knew that I liked math and I liked physics. Those were both the classes in school that I enjoyed the most. Um, But when it came time to college and picking out a major for college, um, that was not something that, you know, computer engineering was not on the list at all. Um, So uh, what I ended up getting my degree in was meteorology, which was something that involved both math and physics. I thought it was, you know, pretty cool when, you know, the study of weather or the study of the atmosphere sounded pretty interesting to me. So um, I actually went to school at uh, A&M University to get my degree in meteorology, um, which is, it's an engineering school. And I remember um, my fellow freshmen making fun of me because my major was meteorology and they assumed that I was going to be on TV and just reciting the weather. Um, It wasn't until a few years in that they realized I was in all the same math courses as them, all the same physics courses as them, um, that the major was actually something pretty difficult to do. Um, But in, in college, I was exposed to a programming language called MATLAB. Um, this was used in our, um, our math courses in lieu of a, a calculator. And um, I did not get very much help on how to use that programming language. Uh, the only you know, sources we had of help were library books. Um, YouTube tutorials was not a thing at the time. So um, it was very difficult to try to understand what I needed to do with that programming language. Um, so, I just used it for arithmetic. I thought this was something I'm never going to be able to do. And all I can do with it is tell it, uh, you know, six times seven and get the result that way. Um, it wasn't until after I graduated and got a job as a data analyst that I figured out I was going to have to learn how to program. Uh, you're dealing with data, you need to work with uh, loads of information, and programming languages help you deal with that. Uh, Luckily, my employer spent uh, a lot of resources on us to get us to completely understand how to use the programming language that they use, which was a programming language called SAS, um, which is uh, S-A-S. It's a higher level language, but because it's a higher level language, it made it easier for me to understand because one of the major pain points I had was loops. (laughs) And um, loops is something that's you know pr- fairly standard that most people who do get into coding eventually understand. But uh, for me, that was one of the more difficult pain points and having somebody invest time and, and money in me to go to, to, to a place where somebody is there answering my questions really helped me learn um, what that actually was and all the other tools that I need for learning how to program. Um, so that that's how you know the first introduction really into programming for me um but my my story kind of when i decided that this was something that i wanted to do as a um, as a profession um it wasn't until i started getting annoyed with my current work that i was doing at the time because we were asked uh, to make graphics like um, graphs that, that show trends and a lot of times we would get contacted Uh, to change a title, to change um, a time range on the graph or the the color. And it would be an urgent ask. And there would be a lot of pressure on you to get this done within a certain amount of time. And it was uh, really annoying to me to get that done. So um, what I ended up doing, I made a side project to create a page where people can make their own graphs and not bother me with changing color or changing title. They can do that all on their own. Um, So... To do that, I, I learned how to program in Python and JavaScript, uh, a little bit of PHP to provide them this web service that allowed them to create their own graphics. And when I made this and when it was finally done, um, took a step back, and looked at what I did and, and saw how useful it was to everyone and um, how much fun I had actually putting that together. Um, and it was then when I realized like, hey, this is something that I could do and um, enjoy doing As a profession, Um, after that point, that's when I decided that that I was going to start making a career shift uh, to do that. And um, to do that career shift, it wasn't easy to get to break into the field um, because my background wasn't in computer science. It it wasn't, I didn't have a lot of experience with programming um, that that you would need to be able to break into that field. So I actually started out by um, going to local meetups and uh, hackathons. And it was at one of these hackathons where I met someone who was working at a company that had a um, sort of an internship for people who were looking to change their career fields. Um, And that company is actually the company I work for currently. Um, And I applied for one of those positions, and I was lucky to get one. Um, That it was, it was a pay cut for me, and it was a risk to make that shift and start from the bottom of the totem pole pole because I had already spent. Uh, five years in my prior uh, at my prior employer, you know, rising to the top. And then I had to, you know, start at the bottom at this new place. But um, what, I never looked back once I did make that change. Um, it was enjoyable to me having to solve all these problems in new ways. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I made that change.
0: Absolutely. And so would you say then that enjoying the work that you do is, Something that's very important to you, because I know you said, you know, you got a it was a pay cut and you had invested so much time in your previous career, but you've never looked back.
1: Correct. Yeah, it's um, I find it fulfilling to uh, to be solving problems and and enjoy doing that as well. Um, Yeah, there's some pain points to it all. Anybody who ever programs will know that there's definitely pain points in dealing with, um, uh, you know, something not working. It turns out to be a simple little comma somewhere. But uh, figuring that out, and when you finally get it working, it filled me with so much pride that I that this was something that I could do, um, that it it, um, it was something that was worth the risk of making that change, and um, just the 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 people that I get to work with too uh, very interesting people from different backgrounds, and that that's what I enjoy most about this um, this field is that a lot of people don't come from the traditional computer science background some of them come from different areas and because they come from different areas like myself um, you have a different perspective on how to solve the problem that you're dealing with and um, that's something that you know I found I find fulfilling in my career to be able to provide that different perspective.
0: Absolutely and so from what I'm hearing you enjoy kind of building things creating things and the process of getting things to perfection so what are some of your favorite projects um, that you're currently working on? Um, let's see. Well, when I first started, one of the things that,
1: that I really enjoyed, um, what I had first started doing was creating uh, applications to stick into online banking. So it was, quite, uh, it, it was quite fulfilling to me to be able to log into my own banking account and see a page that I created and use it for what it's supposed to be used for and see it working properly. That was something that I found to be very um, fulfilling at, you know, at first. Um, then I kind of moved on to different projects. I've been lucky enough to be able to do several different things that gave me, gave me experience in different fields within software engineering. Um, so I was able to do that type of development, but I also have been able to do things uh, that, you know, that are specific to reporting and categorization of, of data and um, behaviors. And I found that to be really interesting. I got to do some data science as well, uh, which is really, really cool all the, that this new emerging field with data science and um, having to try and help people predict behaviors, um, to anticipate things, to give their c- customers warnings that they expect them to, I don't know, for example, say uh, go negative into their accounts to give them a warning ahead of time. Like, hey, you have the payment coming up. Um, You may want to take care of this, um, and so that you don't get any fees to your account. Um, That 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 type of work was really interesting, Um, but in that work, I realized that I didn't enjoy the modeling as much, but I enjoyed the feature engineering, which means like basically dealing with data and manipulating that data to make it um, a a little bit more readable. And I found that to be more enjoyable. So the projects that I'm working on more currently have to do more with that, or um helping to create reports that give insights um, to help make uh, business decisions for for our customers that they can look at this information and decide whether they should take route A or route B based off of the information we're giving them. Um, so that's more of the the work that I enjoy currently. Um, it does change <laughs> over time. Uh, what, you know as you get to as you get into this field, if you are a software developer, You get to play with with many different um, projects and eventually kind of find which ones you enjoy a little bit more. And and I found after many years of doing this that I absolutely enjoyed working with data and manipulating data and uh, represented it in a way that's uh, easy to understand.
0: Hearing about Marissa's route to becoming a software engineer for Q2 and the various projects she had been a part of made me wonder, is variety celebrated in software engineering? She shared more with me about the benefits to having people with a variety of career backgrounds entering into tech. I mean, um, I will say that it has the, the it has shifted a bit.
1: It was easier to get in without a college degree, which opened the field up a lot more um, to people who didn't go to college. Um, we, I, I knew somebody who is a great, great programmer who was a plumber to begin with and not, you know, didn't have that traditional education background. Um, but nowadays, you see a lot more hiring trends where they're sticking more to uh, people who have a a degree in specifically in computer science. So that kind of does take away from that. But um, I, I would like to see the the industry change to kind of go back to the way it was, more where you were looking for people from different backgrounds, for different perspectives, different ways of solving problems because sometimes, Um, those end up being the best way to, to solve that problem. And, um, you know, traditional education, traditional background,
0: you wouldn't have thought to go down that route. What is something everyone in the STEM industry or, or even your industry specifically should stop or start doing?
1: I would say that, um, one of the things that I have seen a lot in, in my, um, my experience has been that, um. In the software development world, when developers are creating an application or something that does something uh, that needs to be done, they tend to overlook reporting needs. And and this isn't something, you know, it's understandable. You create a page that allows you to uh, transfer money from one person to another, and it does that, and that's all you need to do. But um, people tend to forget that, uh, you know, you need to be able to see who's been making transactions, you know, how they've been making it, when they've been making it. Um, There's a lot of other things that are neat behind the the scenes that um, aren't typically thought of when uh, something is getting created. And because they're not thought of, there tends to be a ton of technical debt associated with it that you have to go back and fix these things and change it to be able to get the information you need, um, which ends up being a big problem in the end because um, if you had done that to begin with, you would have had all the information you need from the get go. But when you have to go back and make changes, you don't have the information from prior to that point. So, um as far as like being able to make any kind of decisions on on the information that you have on the data that you have, you'd only you'd have a shorter time frame to look at versus if you had made this from the get go. Um, and that's something that I have seen in the industry uh, fairly often where people tend to forget. So think about the the aspect of needing to report on what they're doing um, and what their application
0: does. So it's more so like the thoroughness of, of building an application. Correct. Yeah, it's more of you, you have to try and think about all the future
1: needs and the things that you're going to um, need to do along with just what this application is supposed to do.
0: Would you say that when you started in software engineering, that that was a skill that you had to build or did you kind of already know to have that forethought in building applications? Um, it was something that I
1: learned over time. Um, it wasn't something initially that you think of, uh, especially starting out when you're a software engineer, you're typically given a task. Uh, here is this, uh, this thing I need you to make. It needs to do A, B, and C. And so you create it and you do exactly as you're told what A, B, and C is, um, needs to be done. But, um, you know, after the fact, you end up getting, you know, other cases to say, hey, go back and fix this. Hey, add this. And um, with experience and seeing that over and over again, you start to kind of realize the things that you need to be thinking about and, and anticipating when you're first given the project with all of the, um, the, the, you know, the asks associated with it.
0: Understanding the importance of thoroughness in creating applications was a skill Marissa, like many others, would have to learn to pick up. From everything I was hearing, it was clear that thinking ahead and being productive was a huge part of her role. It struck me as an opportunity to ask, in what other ways does Marissa keep herself productive?
1: Um, I have a few, actually. Um, one of the things that I like to do um, with, with my productivity, I work on a laptop. So um, I like to move around and um, not work in the same place all the time. Um, it's easy for me to get, and and anybody who programs will know this, you get stuck. And sometimes you get really, really frustrated and and you're kind of at the point where you're yelling at your computer and it's not working. You don't know why. It helps me a whole lot when I get to that point to get up and take my computer, walk to a different room in the building or in in my house, go outside and then open up my laptop again and start working on it and uh, looking at it again with some fresh eyes. It really helps to Kind of calm you down when you start getting to that frustration point, um, but it also helps to to kind of reset your thinking so that you look at it again, and then you're you know you end up realizing oh I I forgot to do this or um, this is where I, it's breaking and I need to fix it by doing something else. Um, that's one of the things I like to do, and the other thing um, I learned in college that um, I listen better when I'm eating. <laughs> so. Um, whenever I'm uh, listening to a tutorial or in a meeting, it helps me a lot to be eating something like sunflower seeds where um, I'm not eating a whole bunch, but I'm able to kind of keep busy. Um, and it helps me to listen a little bit better um, as well as writing manual notes. That's another thing that I do. There's a lot of tools that let you write notes um, on your computer so that it's available to you. But to me, writing it by hand on um, a sticky note helps me to better remember what I wrote
0: down. It's important still, even in this like very virtual space that we work in now to remember to go outside or (laughs) walk to another room, especially working from home or um, even, you know, you talked about writing things down manually. We there's so many different tools that we have like tech wise, but um, it's definitely important to to utilize, you know, some of the old school methods. I think that's a great productivity hack. But given that it's Women's History Month, can you share which woman in your life inspires you most and why?
1: Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I would say if I had to pick someone who really inspired me growing up, it would have to be my older sister. Um, she's not that much older than me. She's about a year and a half older than me, but she sort of set the pace for me. Everything that she did I felt like I needed to do as well. She was the first to go to college. So I felt that I needed to go there and, and, you know, complete that as well. She was doing well in school. I felt like I had to do well in school. She set the bar for me. So if, if, if anybody's to to blame for my success, it would be my sister uh, for sort of setting the pace for me to, and, and you know, showing me the ropes too. She, she was the first one to have to figure out how to apply to college, um, how to apply for scholarships. These were things that we didn't, I, I, you know, my parents didn't do. They didn't go to college, so they, they weren't aware of all the, the needed things that you needed to do. Um, luckily, my sister went through all that and sort of paved the way for me to be able to uh, follow in her footsteps and, um, you know, be successful in that way. So I, I owe all my success to my sister, and I still, to this day, look up to her.
0: That's so beautiful. Um, older sisters are such a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marissa. Um, We really enjoyed hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technically 200. Don't forget to subscribe and visit us at technically200.com. See you at our next episode.